So the last time that we gathered, we spent some time going through Matthew chapter 10. And today we will be taking a look at Matthew chapter 11. But before we jump on into chapter 11, I'd like for us to go back just as a refresher and uh, do some reading back in chapter 10 again. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 10. And we'll go ahead and look down and start reading at verse 32. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples here, right? He says, Therefore, whoever confesses Me before men, him I will also confess before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, him I will also deny before My Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, all of these verses we discussed in detail the last time we gathered, so I'm not going to expound on them here this morning. But we get the point here that coming to Jesus and living our lives for Him is not always the easy road. It's not at all the easy road to take. It's not the way to make friends and influence people, as they say, right? It's not the way to have everybody love you. That's just not the case with Jesus. And He points that out to His disciples here. And it wasn't going to be like that. And in verse 39, He goes on, He says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward." Let's keep going. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now, it it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding His twelve disciples that He departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. So this is very interesting here, isn't it? Jesus just finished. If you think, picture the scene here. He just finished instructing His disciples on how hard it was going to be, right, to do what they were now about to begin to do. And the next thing you know, he's now headed to their own cities to do what he had just commanded them to do. They're going to go there and they're going to preach and teach. But he had to prepare them for this. You're going back to your home now. We're going back into your cities now. And they were going to find out quickly that 
people didn't now, wouldn't now accept them for the way that they were now as followers of Jesus Christ. It's changed now. But Jesus had just spent all that time, and that's why I read those verses to you back in chapter 10. He'd spend that time preparing them for that fact. Hey, don't be surprised now. You're not going to be you know, welcomed home like, like you used to be. It's not going to be that way. Okay? They were fine with the way they used to be. Maybe the people of their hometown were, right? Before this whole coming to Jesus thing. But now they're going to find out what Jesus meant when He told them that their own families would be against them for their decision to follow Jesus. And you know what? You know what? Nothing has changed today. You see, this world loves those that act like, that think like, and that fit in just like everyone else. But following Jesus means that you are no longer of the world, that you're now going to stand upon the Word of God. And you've now taken up the cross, as Jesus said there back in chapter 10, right? And you're now following after Him. You're now dying to yourself. It's not going to be about pleasing yourself anymore. It's going to be about living a life that's pleasing to Jesus and walking within His will. And the rest of the world around you, your own cities, your own family members, they may think you're a bit strange now because you're not the person that you used to be because now you've come to Jesus. And verse 2 goes on, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, said to Jesus, that is, right, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now this is speaking of John the Baptist here. John was a, a preacher of repentance, a preacher of righteousness. And of course, he was sent by God to go and to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That was John's role. And John did just that. He warned everyone to repent and to get ready to receive the coming king. And ultimately, John was put in prison. The reason that John was put in prison was because Herod who at the time was what they call a tetrarch or like a governor, if you will, under the Roman Empire, he was rebuked by John. John the Baptist rebuked him for divorcing his wife and then unlawfully taking another woman named Herodias as his wife. And John the Baptist spoke up about that. Herodias was the wife of his brother Philip. And she divorced Philip and married this man, Herod. John the Baptist, again, knew that this was a wrongful marriage, and he, he said something about it. So Herod put him in prison. And ultimately, at the request of Herodias, Herod's wife, John was executed and, and beheaded. Okay, But at this time, as Jesus is speaking here in these cities with his disciples, John is still alive and he's in prison. And you can probably imagine how John feels while he's in prison. Here he sits, I'm sure, in great depression about his circumstances, wishing he could have different circumstances in life. Right Now the Bible doesn't say that, but just by the fact that John begins to wonder if Jesus is who he hoped 
he was, tells us that John really was feeling pretty bad and really wasn't sure, had some mixed emotions, if you will, going on. Maybe John thought that after all that he had done to prepare the way for Jesus, maybe he thought that he deserved better than what he was getting out of life right now. Shouldn't John, after all, had, you know, after all he had done, wouldn't we think maybe John should be living on Easy Street? Shouldn't he have had the best life possibly that he could imagine? But what did we just read back there in chapter 10, verses 38 and 39, where Jesus said, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said that coming to him wasn't going to bring peace on earth with all of your relationships with everybody, right? He came to bring a sword. It was going to divide, and it was going to be a tough thing. And doesn't Hebrews 4.12 tell us that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature, it says, hidden from His sight, hidden from the Word of God. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. So John the Baptist did what he was supposed to do. He preached the truth. He stood for righteousness. And in so doing, it led him to his death. You see, it's important that we first of all allow the Word of God to have its effects in our lives, right? By purifying our souls. We need to read the Word of God and to live in the righteous manner that the Word of God teaches us to. And as we do, the world around us will be impacted by the way that we live our lives. And there are times when you have to stand for what is right, even when it's not socially acceptable. Even when it's not something that everyone will praise you for, you you have to stand for what's right. And especially in our society today, where we see so often wrong being called right. Right? We see evil being called good today in so many ways. But we're called to serve Jesus with all that we have and with all that we are. Right? Now, not everyone's called to preach and to teach. And living for Christ is not something where we have to live on the edge all the time, always looking to correct or rebuke others around us. But there are times in life where you'll find that if you're standing for Jesus, you won't be socially acceptable. People around you won't like you all the time. Herod's wife didn't like John speaking up against their their unrighteous manner of living. And she wanted him dead. And as John was sitting in prison, he was beginning to wonder in his own despair as to whether Jesus really was the one that they were waiting for. It's very easy to think that coming to Jesus is all about being on easy street and everything becomes good now, right? Especially if you listen to the many health and wealth false teachers 
that exist today. They're all about the things of the world. Money, houses, cars, planes, and whatever else they can grab from you, from your pockets, right? But that's not what Jesus taught. And it's not what His, his, his apostles taught either, right? Nor is, what, nor is it what His apostles experienced in their daily lives. They didn't have that kind of life. But again, it's understandable to think about the way that John must have felt while he's sitting in prison. And in verse 4, we're told Jesus answered and said to them. So the messengers that John sent, Jesus answers these guys. And he says, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see, this is what it's all about. The disciples of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus even today, the follower of Jesus is to not try to get, it's not, should not be trying to get what they want out of this life, right? Not happy to get all they can out of this life, but rather happy about giving their lives to Jesus Christ and doing His will, right? The servant of God, the servant of the Lord Jesus is not to be self-focused, self-centered. See, Jesus didn't go and get John out of prison. He didn't change John's circumstances. He left him right where he was. And John went on to be beheaded, right? Let's turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. It's to the right of where we are in, here in Matthew. Look for 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and you'll find Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. And I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse 1. So Philippians 2.1. 2, Therefore, it says, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So, pause right there for a moment. Because what the Apostle Paul is doing here in this letters to the believers in the city of Philippi is instructing them on how they should be living the Christian life. They all need to be like-minded in these things. He says, he continues in verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. You see, again, the servant of the Lord, the follower of Jesus, the Christian man or woman should have this kind of mindset. The mindset of it's not all about me. It's not all about what I want and what I get out of, out of life, right? This is not the mindset that our Lord wants us to have. We are to be lowly of mind and considering others above ourselves. Let let each of you, verse 4 says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests 
of others. You see, it comes very natural to us, doesn't it, to to look out for our own interests. And we do indeed need to take care of ourselves and of those that we're responsible for. But the, the world around us will be a much better place if we sacrifice ourselves for the good of others as well. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." So Jesus, right, was God in the flesh, but He didn't put Himself above others. Instead, He lowered Himself as low as He could go and gave Himself up for the, for the benefit of the entire world. And we're supposed to consider that fact and to live in a manner that exemplifies that kind of life. And as we turn back to Matthew chapter 11, this was the case for John the Baptist. Jesus sent John's messengers back to him, right, to tell him how great it was for everyone else who was experiencing the presence and the power of Jesus in their lives. That's the message that Jesus sent back to John. Hey, John, look how good it is for everyone else. Look what's happening. Jesus wanted to be, uh, John to be happy for what others were receiving even though his own circumstances were very bleak. He just sent a good, happy message back. Hey, John, you're in prison. I mean, I'm ad-libbing here. You're in prison. You're going to be beheaded. But look how good it is for everybody else. He's telling John to be happy with that. Have you ever noticed how good you feel when you do something for others? Right? And we all want good to be done for us, don't we? Matthew 7, 12 is the golden rule. Everybody knows it. It says, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, right? John had lived out his life's purpose. He prepared the way for the coming king. He prepared the way for the Messiah. He did it in a way, too, where he gave his all. Sure, as a man in the flesh, like the rest of us here, he would have liked for his circumstances to be different. But it sure is good for John the Baptist right now. I'll tell you that. Right? It's all good. And Jesus didn't forget all the good that John had done. He knew what John had done. And if you look in verse 7 here, back in Matthew 11, verse 7, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. He's telling everybody, what did you go out, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater 
than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus touted all the good that John had done. The Lord God knows all and he sees all and he doesn't want us focused on ourselves. The best is yet to come and it's not in the here and now. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that it's, it's not the kingdoms of this world. It's not like it is here, of course. The kingdom of God is the complete opposite. In the kingdoms of this world, everyone strives to be on top. Everyone looks out for number one. It's all about me. In the kingdom of God, it's flipped upside down, and the least is the greatest, as Jesus pointed out there. So are we striving today to be least or are we striving to be number one? Are we looking out for our best interest or are we, as the body of Christ, as individuals, are we looking out for others' interests? Remember, how did Jesus answer John in his despair? Hey, John, look how good it is for others. That seems contrary to what our minds want to hear. Hey, Lord, I have this problem. Lord, I'm going through this. I've got this difficulty in my life. Oh, yeah, Dave, but look how good it is for Andy over here. But, Lord, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about me, (laughs) right? But the Lord constantly shifts our focus to be others' focus, to be considerate of others, because that's where we're blessed in that, right? Look again at... at, um, What Jesus said about John there in verse 11, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus acknowledged that John did something great. But what you do great on this earth should not puff you up to where you think that you deserve something better in the kingdom of heaven. That's not the mindset that we should live with. Again, we are to humble ourselves and to consider others as better than ourselves. Be givers and not takers. Seek the welfare of others. Make others happy. And in so doing, you will be pleasing the Lord just as the Lord was pleased with John. Right? But he had to refocus John on the right mindset. Get John focused again on the fact that John, you know, John's already confessed this anyway, didn't he? Didn't John say uh, in um, John chapter 3 and verse 30 and 31, it's recorded that John the Baptist said of Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So John had the right focus, but he's in despair. He's in prison, you know, and he needed to be refocused. And sometimes when we're going through hard times and we're allowing ourselves to be down and depressed and things like that, sometimes we just need to refocus and say, this ain't all about me, Lord. This is all about you, right? We need to be reminded of our purpose. And if we call ourselves Christian, we are not to be living for ourselves, right? And our own purposes, but rather we are to be living for the Lord and His purposes. That's what He means when He says, take up the cross. Die to yourself. It's not about you. Right? 
Let's read some more Matthew 11 here in verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist, this is Jesus still speaking, right? He says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, again, the world didn't like it then, and it doesn't like it now, what Jesus, the Word of God, preaches and teaches. The kingdom of heaven is so anti the kingdom of this world, right? The kingdom of heaven will always be under violent assault all the way until the end of this world as we know it. Again, you'll see it as you begin to stand for righteousness in your life. As you begin to see the world decay and things go downhill and, and, and the things that God created and the way that God created things to be begins to be perverted. And everything begins to be flipped upside down. You know, God made things natural. He made man and He made woman. And He made it for man and woman to be together. Right? And as we see those things changing in our world today, and as we stand and we say, no, that's not right. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is under violent assault. Everything's changing. And it's been going on that way and it'll keep going that way. And you know, the prophets of old, they prophesied that there was a Messiah to come. And John the Baptist was the one that testified, He's here. So all the prophets of old, this is what Jesus is talking about here, all the prophets of old are testifying the, testify them that the Messiah would come. John the Baptist came and said, He's here. And the prophet Malachi prophesied in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, he said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And in Luke 1.17, it says that John the, of John the Baptist, that he went out in the spirit and the power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Jesus really spoke highly of John the Baptist. And again, John fulfilled a great purpose in his lifetime here on this earth. And he did so because he lived with the attitude that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. But Jesus understands that we need to be reminded of things from time to time. And this is why we have the written Word of God, so that we can be exhorted time and time again to stay the course of this life for the sake of the Lord. Why do I encourage you to read the Word of God? Why do I encourage you to stay in it? Because it's going to keep you, you know, with the right mindset, focused on the Lord. Because it's so easy for us to focus on ourselves. And when we go through you know, maybe long periods or of time where it's hard, maybe illness, maybe death around us, all kinds of things going on in our lives, right? It's easy to get into to despair. But what should our focus be? Our focus is on not, not this world, but the kingdom of heaven. That's where... We can be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That's where we have to have the right mindset. 
Jesus continues teaching in verse 16, But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. So Jesus is saying here that the generation that was there on the earth when He was here was a generation that wanted attention. They were all about themselves. Look at us playing our instruments and dancing. Give us attention. Feel bad for us when we lament and mourn because it's all about us. Right? Sounds no different than the world of today, does it? Look at me. Love me for who I am, for what I want to be. Just accept me. And then they hate on the people of God that stand for righteousness, the way that God wants it to be, the way that God designed for it to be. John the Baptist was strange. He was not like the rest of the world. He didn't eat, drink, and be merry like the rest of the world. He he was a nut, right? They said. That's what they thought of him, right? He was demon-possessed, they said. Jesus came and happily sat with sinners and reached into their lives where they were, and they called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. But all the while, whether through John or through Jesus, these people were missing the work of God in their world. They were missing the call to repentance, the call to, to follow Jesus. That call still goes out. Repent, follow Jesus. And Jesus will now rebuke them for this. In verse 20, Jesus continues speaking and says, Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Now I want to pause right there and interject something. All these cities that Jesus is talking about here were destroyed. They were all gone. They were all wiped out. No more existence of those cities. And he's saying all these mighty works were done in there, but they didn't repent. Think about the United States of America. Think about the great things that have been done in this nation. Think about how the gospel has gone out. At one time, the gospel was going out from this nation into all the world. Right? It was a nation that we were proud to call one nation under God. Right? Now things are changing. Now people want to burn the flag in our nation. Now people want to turn their back on the things of God in our nation. Now we abort babies like crazy in our nation, right? Do you think 
the United States is going to stand? I mean, we see what happened to these cities that did not repent. But he says in verse 24, he goes on, But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. So Jesus, again, was just rebuking all of those cities where He had taught and done great miraculous works and they did not repent. But He submitted Himself to the will of the Father. He didn't quit doing what He came to do just because people didn't listen to him. He stayed the course, as did John the Baptist. God has an ultimate plan for this world. Today, the gospel does continue to be preached in the world, but many people continue to ignore it. They just want to sing and dance And they just want to party on and keep living the way they're living, all about themselves, thinking all about what they want and what they get. But a rude awakening is coming for the unrepentant world. But for those that will submit to the wisdom of God and repent, there is a wonderful place that awaits us all. When We hear the word of the Lord when we read His instructions and commands. We must be willing to immediately turn unto Him through repentance. He alone holds the life that we truly need, the the life that our soul truly desires. It's all in Jesus. But we must die to ourselves. We must take up the cross and we must follow after Him. And we can find the life, a a fulfilled life, a complete life, an abundant life in Jesus Christ only. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for where? For your souls. Again, it's not always going to be well with everything around us, but we're talking about within us. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is all you need. And he's calling out to people still today saying, come unto me. To heed the words of himself and to heed the words of John the Baptist and repent. To stop living a life that's all about you and to live a life where you have the mindset, the right mindset, of John the Baptist, where you say, he must increase and I must decrease. Sure, life brings you despair. Sure, life brings you heartache. Circumstances happen and you say, I wish this wasn't the case. I wish I wasn't in this place. I wish it was better. Right? But we need to come and live a life, live in a manner that displays that we're looking out not for our own interests, but we're looking out for the interests of others. And above all else, 
We want to know what is acceptable. The psalmist David said, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That needs to be our mindset, that we're focused on Jesus. Lord, is what I'm doing acceptable to you? Is what I'm saying, is how I'm living acceptable to you? That's the Christian. That's the follower of Jesus Christ. Or Lord, am I focused on me too much? Do I have this woe is me attitude all the time? What's my mind? What is our mindset? There is a right mindset that we are to have. And it's in the Word of God and it's taught here and we can see it. Again, we just gather like this for however long this has been right now. I don't know. To, to, to study the Word of God and to, to read it. But we've got to be in it. We've got to immerse ourselves in it. On a daily basis, I encourage you to read the Word of God. Not as a religious ritual, but because you want to seek God. And because you want to know His will for your life. But then as we read, we must live. We must walk the Word of God. How do we do this? We walk by faith and not by sight. We need to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray that as Your Word has gone forth, that Lord, as as we have read Your Word, Lord, I pray that it will do within us what it sets out to do, Lord, that it will refine us, that it would mold and, and shape us into the men and the women that You desire for us to be, Lord, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and and your righteousness, and that we would place you above all else in our lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for those that will will hear this this audio teaching or or those that will watch this video teaching, Lord, I pray that, that you would touch their lives, Lord, that you would open up their minds and their hearts and that they would commit their ways unto you, that they would repent, Lord, and turn their lives to you. Lord, life deals us some hard things, Lord. There's all kinds of circumstances in life, Lord, that we wish never would be. But in this world, you said, Jesus, we would have tribulation. But we can be of good cheer. Why? Because you have overcome. And Lord, when we fix our eyes on you, when we rest in you, when we come unto you, Lord, we find peace. We find rest for our souls, Lord, no matter the chaos around us, Lord. So I pray that that would be done in all of our hearts and minds here, Lord, and all of those that will hear this message. And I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.